You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. How did you switch that on? Well, that's oh, screwed up the introduction, hasn't it? How did you switch it on? <laughs> he pushed the button when he was putting it onto the tripod. Did you not that see? That was really clever. You're, you're acting like <laughs> you JR's, a magician. Like he's David Copperfield or something by pushing a button which you didn't notice. He's like David Copperfield. That's, yeah, exactly the same. Oh. Do I look like David Copperfield? <laughs> no. But Do you go to children's parties and you're still amazed by the entertainers? I am, actually, yeah. <coughs> I'm easily Do you know what? <laughs> the, the amazing thing about the fact that Lee is amazed at the entertainment at children's <laughs> parties is that he usually is the entertainment no, of children's no. parties. The amazing thing is, Lee's loud into children's parties. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially after the incident. Especially, <laughs> say it, especially with the coat, but yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, no, he's fully BRC checked. Shame this CRB, don't know who he is. <laughs> DBS now, by the way. GBS? DBS. I was going to say oh, GBS, that sounds terrible. This is really, really boring, isn't it? I'm JR. I'm Lee. I'm Matt. That uh, was we really, are... really boring, different from... <laughs> uh, if we could We're have... really upping our game. We've got 60 minutes to fill with the rebel flesh and the almost people. We could have carried on for a good few minutes yet. Uh, yeah. We'll carry on. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you what, before we get to it, there are many things we should do before we get to it. I... <laughs> yeah, there are many things we should do before getting to rebel flesh and the also people. Like, what I feel like this like can be washing 50, the dishes, fifty-five yeah. minutes of just painting the wall, and then five minutes of rebel flesh. Painting the wall and then watching the paint dry on the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's good radio. Yeah. Um, before we, okay, I've got an email. Right. Hi, this is a long email. Fortunately. Hi, JR and the Blue Boxes. I thought that you might be interested in a Doctor Who viewing marathon that I have been doing with my son for nearly two years now. I started watching Doctor Who as a five-year-old during the Hinchcliffe era and thought that it would be nice to introduce my kids to the show when my youngest child was about the same age as I was when I started watching it. I also thought to myself how awesome it would be for them to be introduced to the show from the very beginning and watch all 50-plus years in order something I suspect very few people under the age of 60 have done. If either of you wants to sort of nudge in at any point during this email and make it go even longer before we get to the rub of flesh, <laughs> well, I've just, I just remembered I've watched Sharda recently, so I can talk about that. Okay, we'll talk about Sharda in a minute. So have I. Oh, oh wow, you two can talk about Sharda, and I'll yeah. pop off and do some things. <laughs> Cup of tea. <clears throat> Um, that way, they would get to see all the surprises unveil the way they originally did for the audience on first transmission. So, around Easter 2016, I sat down with my then nine-year-old daughter Darla and then six-year-old son Logan and popped an unearthly child into the DVD Blimey, player. Start at the beginning. Yeah, that was the whole <laughs> point of doing the 50-plus years in order, yeah. Matt. Yeah, but he started with Hinchcliffe, so it's hardly, hardly fair to then... St- well... I don't know. I mean, it could be good for kids. It could I don't be know. Right. From what little experience I have of it, kids don't mind the black and white stuff because no. they've not been conditioned into expecting no. colour and widescreen and stuff just yeah. yet. Yeah, but you still get the sense rights and the Space Museum. Oh, you just don't play. You, just, you don't play those ones. Okay. <laughs> no, but kids don't mind slow-moving no. things as long as they're engaged with the characters and as long as there's stuff going on on screen, yeah. like aliens or alien planets, that they can get distracted by. I mean, yeah. Invasion is quite a few episodes. Long, it's quite a long one. Oddly, I've watched that. So I've been watching yeah. an episode of Black and White Doctor Who in bed with my headphones on before sleeping, and I've watched the Space Museum for the first time, the Invasion. Reign of Terror. Right. I'm going to watch the Mind Robber again. But I, I showed, I showed Reign of Finn, Terror I think, is great. Reign I of Terror really is great. Like the invasion is quite long. Yeah, it doesn't watch, feel itself out. episodically, it's sort of all right. But, but, but my point is that Finn sat and watched all eight of those. Right. No problem at all. Yeah. Hmm. He didn't even question the black and white uh, you know, cartoon, the animation. No. But he must have been about the same age as Darla, I think nine or whatever okay. it is. Logan. Logan. Oh, yeah. Darla's the daughter, yeah, yeah. nine. What did you think of the Space Museum then? I thought... It peters out. I I agreed with what everybody else says, which is a really interesting first episode. And then it's just running around corridors. With silly haircuts. Yeah. And I didn't get... It was too short to get 
bored, bored by. Yeah, but yeah. I was glad when it finished. Yeah, yeah. Um, Darla watched for a little while, but lost interest around the keys of Marinus. But Logan was absolutely hooked from the beginning, despite the show being in black and white. Darla is your typical casual viewer who will occasionally sit down and watch a generally mid-story episode that doesn't have any great attachment to the show. It doesn't seem to bother her that she is coming in partway through a story and doesn't see it conclude either. Secretly, I think she generally watches it as an excuse to avoid tidying her room. <laughs> we will do that. Logan and I have only ever watched one episode a day, most days of the week, and we didn't cover the missing episodes. However, we did watch the stories with animated missing episodes and the extant Dalek episodes from Daleks Master Plan and Evil of the Daleks, as Logan absolutely loves the Daleks. We also went and saw... I mean, it's fair enough that you don't sit through recons with a no, six-year-old no. kid. We also went and saw the animated power of the Daleks at the cinema. We will come back to the missing episodes in due course when his concentration is a little better, or for the occasional road trip. We also have avoided skipping ahead to 21st Century Who, other than... Oh. Yeah, no, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Other than watching The Return of Doctor Mysterio and Twice Upon a Time on original transmission. By my estimation, we should finish watching the classic series about this time next year before moving on to New Who. I have to point out at this stage... This email wasn't completely out of the blue. I asked this guy to write this. Oh, so is he... For is, reasons I will go into when we get real? to the end. This isn't okay. you, then, is it? Right? No, no, this oh. is completely real. <laughs> he just happened to mention this, but a lot shorter version to me, and I asked him to write a longer version for reasons I'll go into at the end. Okay. okay. <clears throat> I think the modern series is probably too scary for Logan at the moment, but I do have about eight months to decide whether to let him watch Jodie Whittaker's first series when it broadcasts later this year. So far, we have watched straight through to the end of season 15 over the last nearly two years. Wow. Logan is hooked on all things Doctor Who and does all the cliched things that we always hear about. He hides his head in my shoulder or my lap when scary things happen on screen and he loves running around playing exterminate with his friends in the school playground or the backyard. A little while ago they had a superhero dress-up day at school and he decided to go along dressed as the fourth Doctor, wow. the current Doctor for him at that point. <laughs> Unfortunately, the other kids who watch the show have only watched the new series and don't know much about the classic series and thought he had gone along dressed as a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. He must have a bit of cachet. Amongst his school friends, for knowing the history of the program, maybe. Yes, I'd I mean, imagine so. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I would ask him about the journey so far and share the thoughts of an eight-year-old first-time viewer with you. Excellent. Me, what do you like about the show? Him, I like learning about science fiction ideas. I enjoy the monsters and the doctors and the companions. Me, do you prefer the colour stories or the black and white stories? Him. I prefer the colour stories because of the really cool effects. They look better in colour. Who is your favourite Doctor? So far, the fourth Doctor, then the third, then the second, and then the first. That's fair enough. Yeah, for a kid as well, especially. Yeah. Um, what do you like about the fourth Doctor? He is smart, but he is also funny, and he doesn't look like what you would think a Time Lord would look like. <laughs> he doesn't look like a human sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your favourite companions? Sarah, Joe and K9. I also like Leela, but there is an issue. I don't like the way she attacks people with her knife. And I like the Brigadier too. What are your favourite monsters? The Daleks, because they are half robot, half creature, and they have a laser gun. And I like their stick, which can take people prisoners. I like the Yeti. They look really strong, able to break down fences in one go, and they could smash a bus in one go. I also like the Cybermen. They are very strong and can crash through five layers of concrete. The Ice Warriors, you think they don't have any weapons and are harmless, but then they shoot you with their sonic guns. And the Autons. Who is your favourite villain? The Master. What are your favourite stories so far? And for this question and the next one, we opened a website which showed all the DVD covers to jog his memory. Him, The Dalek Invasion of Earth, The War Machines, Power of the Daleks, The Invasion, yeah. Mind of Evil, Curse of Peladon, The Three Doctors, 
Planet of the Daleks, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, Death to the Daleks, The Monster of Peladon. You'll learn. No, Monster of Peladon's got lots of different types of creatures and things. Invasion of the Dinosaurs. (laughs) That's my first one, my favourite. Well, no, I know, but... Discerning. Yeah, but six-year-olds don't notice the wonky effects the way... No, I suppose not. When I was watching Doctor Who, I was probably about eight maybe when I started noticing the wonky special effects. So if, if I'm taking that as a way to judge, I'd say he's got a couple <laughs> more years maybe before he starts going, oh, that looks a bit shonky. And he'll have finished Classic Who by then, so he'll have escaped. <laughs> um, Genesis of the Daleks, the Brain of Morbius, the Seeds of Doom, and the Pirate Planet. <laughs> Me, if you had to pick just three favourite stories, what would they be? Ready? Okay. Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Good. Well done. Planet of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. And Power of the Daleks. Planet of the Daleks. I've well, always power, said it. It's Power of the Daleks. Yeah, Power that's of the Daleks. That's quite interesting. We watched it in an animated form. Yeah. And maybe that's. I would have thought that would have had. Yeah, yeah. I'd have thought that would have had quite a big effect. Yeah. yeah. But Planet of the Daleks, I think, is a perfect Doctor Who story for kids. Yeah. Creepy yeah. jungle, Daleks, invisible monsters. Volcanoes. Yeah, all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Very colourful. Oh, here's an interesting question. Which stories didn't you like? I didn't like The Edge of Destruction because they stayed in the TARDIS the whole time. The Mind Robber. This isn't you. No, this isn't me. (laughs) The Mind Robber, okay. The Mind Robber, he says it didn't make any sense. The War Games, it has no monsters and is too long. That's fair enough. And The Robots of Death. I don't what? like the fact they live on board the miner. Okay, well, I'm sorry. We've got to stop. <laughs> We're almost at the end. <clears throat> and then uh, he finishes by saying, if you're interested, I can briefly share his views of the stories from the Reboss operation onwards for future podcasts. Oh, yeah. oh. Regards, Adrian Sturrock. And yes, to make a confession, he had been talking to me about this and I asked him to write up a longer version of his original email so that we could get an email off him, not necessarily every episode, but catch up with Logan and his Doctor Who view it and have a regular spot on the podcast with a six-year-old's thoughts on well, classic good, Doctor that's Who. Because normally we'd rely on Lee's thoughts to represent <laughs> the six-year-old's thoughts. So it's good to have an actual six-year-old. To... Yeah, yeah. I might disagree uh, with him, though. Uh, That'll be the thing. So, yeah. so there'll be conkers in the playground. Yeah, you'll throw your, you throw your toys out of the out of the room. Out of the TARDIS. That'd be really nice, though, to get a six-year-old. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, there'll only be great. three females, probably, yeah. but it'd be nice yeah. to just get a well, glimpse of particularly the same six-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. unlike, so we could relate. Yeah, yeah. Un- unlike when the Doctor Who magazine did it, they got different. Different kids, right, views, which yeah. is interesting, but having the same kids yeah, views yeah. as it goes on, yeah, and the evil, the evolving, and then you oh, can, quite an epic, yeah, a, an epic journey, yeah, to start yeah, from the yeah. I, feel, I feel quite honoured though that they, they've chosen us to, you know, walk alongside them with this journey. So, well, I did hold a gun to his head, <laughs> to be fair, and I did tell the Chekhov's dad. So was, was it Chekhov's gun? So it's less a guest, more a hostage. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And uh, well, I also held a gun to the father's head as well at one oh, point. Okay. Okay. It was a it was a, it was a water pistol gun, wasn't it? In case Logan's listening, <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's it's not a, listening. Well, I mean, it would be a, nice for him to hear it. It but... was a sonic cannon. Sonic <clears throat> cannon. We'd better mind our p's and q's for the rest of this episode, then, hadn't we? For the rest of the year. Um, yeah. Um, it'd be nice to hear his thoughts on the modern series as well. Mm. Yeah, because that'd be really interesting to see what. I, well, it'd be seven by then, presumably, yeah. or but, yeah. But it'll be the same reactions. Well, not the same reaction, but at you know, the same time as we're reacting to it mm. with Jodie Whittaker. So that'd be quite exciting. Oh, no, I mean the whole of Russell T. Davis and Stephen oh, Moffat, too. Oh, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what Stephen he makes Moffat, of Stephen Moffat, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when uh, Matt Smith was the Doctor, I used to see loads of kids running around with bow ties and stuff, waving their sonic screwdrivers around. Yeah. But was it that? Was it the fact that it was Matt Smith who's one big lanky child himself? Well, yeah, he's a that's big what, kid, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that's what kids uh, respond it, to, isn't the it? the stories themselves. I wonder how, you know, Logan's going to give us his rundown of maybe the stories themselves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Them. But I don't think 
at that age. But I don't think kids would have taken to Matt Smith if they hadn't been enjoying the stories, because if they'd have found it boring, they'd have just switched it off, wouldn't they? True that. Sharda. I liked it. I thought, so I finally bought it. I've been reluctant to buy it because I read the book. I'd seen the, yeah. the Tom Baker reconstruction on video. I'd Wrote seen the, theme tune, seen the theme other tune. DVD. And I'd seen bits of the, the animation and wasn't that impressed. And I knew it was a sort of... That was the wrong animation though, wasn't it? Well, I'd seen bits of the Levine animation and bits of this this animation right. in the adverts. The thing, just to... The yeah. thing about the animations is they're never going to be expensive animations, but they sort of paper over the cracks and they give you something to concentrate on while you're watching. I thought right? I thought it were really I thought the animation was really good. Mm. It was sparse in its detail, but it was yeah. it was it was fine. It, it didn't flowed distract. Okay. No, it and didn't distract. The difference right. between this and something like Reign of Terror is there's a clean divide between the animated episodes. Yeah. With this one, obviously, they're moving between, yeah. and obviously, it didn't flow. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. But I no. wasn't expecting that. But I was able to watch it and I could follow the story and it well, didn't jar mm. me that much. Well, I this was my reaction to the Levine one when yeah. I saw that, yeah. Um, and I liked the story. I found the story much more engaging than I did when I was actually reading the book. Mm. Um, I liked the performances. <clears throat> and it's really great having... I'd forgotten how much footage they'd shot for it. Hello. <laughs> that wasn't me. Somebody checking on me. I'd forgotten how much footage they'd actually shot for it. Uh, yeah, I it's heard about, as well. That's quite a lot. Well, the thing about really this animation, uh, they've cut a fair bit of stuff, I think, in okay. order... Yeah, it should have been a good 10, maybe 20 minutes longer. Okay. But they'd cut stuff that they needed to animate they in order to keep cut, the budget down. They cut stuff, did they? Yeah, I think so. Because they also Trimmed added, stuff. They also added bits, didn't they? They added some real... Well, they added that one thing at the end. Yeah. But what about canine want... fighting the uh, the creature? Wasn't that added in as well? No, I think that was in the original. Are you sure? They're... I'm sure they well, created either, a scene. Either, either way, the stuff they decided to cut or add yeah. worked for me. Yeah. Oh, no, I meant cut stuff from the script. Oh, yeah, yeah okay, sorry. Yeah. So that they had less animation to do. Which which worked for me. Mm. I mean, it was really. I was really impressed. I was genuine, and I wasn't expecting to be, but yeah, I could see. Yeah. I could see how it was. It was more along the lines of City, and it's not just because the sound, the the music yeah. sounded like City of Death. I didn't mind. I didn't actually mind that so much, but I could see how the script and the performances and the story would have been more City of Deathy yeah. than Pirate Planety. Or Invasion mm. of Time. Before, I'd always seen it as kind of an Invasion of Time story that everybody just said this would have been the great final story of Graham Williams and as a really epic way of ending the season. I always thought, well, I don't, just overselling. It, I didn't. But. Yeah, I, I think it was overselling. Actually, I don't think it was a big massive bang. Really, no. it, you know, the end part of it was a bit stupid and a bit silly, and you know. All the kind of, especially the um, they go to Sharda and you've got mm. all these criminals, these super yes. criminals, and actually the animated versions. If there were ever going to be anything like the extras that would have got on, yes, for being in prison, they, they were appalling. And oh no, <laughs> but they, you don't realise they changed that bit because were the they end... supposed to be like Daleks and things? Like yeah. That? yeah. Oh, well, that would have been a bit more interesting. And then people like Boudica was supposed to be there. I don't know oh, if okay. she's in there. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that would have been interesting. But they wouldn't mm. have had any lines, would they? No. Because they didn't say anything. So they'd be no. shuffling along as extras. Yeah, yeah. Not really looking very terrifying. I wondered, I mean, Which maybe... monsters would have been okay? Yeah. I think there was going to be a Dalek and something else. I can't remember. We were in Saigon, maybe. Saigon? That would have been great, wouldn't it? That probably would have been. Why didn't they animate it then? Was it to do with copyright? I don't know. Maybe just because they didn't want to pay out for a Dalek and a Saigon the rights, I guess. But I wonder, because they were quite distinctive looking villains, I wonder if they got mates and just put their mates in. Oh, I'm sure. Because, you know, that's what I would have done. But that that didn't bother me. No, and there thought... was a bit that it was strange in the animated part at the end when you get the, the Doctor facing off with um, the glamour chicken. What's his name? The guy? Skagra. Skagra. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in, his, in his amazing... The glamour out. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly poncy outfit. It's brilliant. Um, but they have this kind of like, you know, little tussle at the end. And that just took a bit too long. They could have... Oh, you quite... mean the sort of brain of Morbius mind? Oh, oh, yeah, it just went on a bit. But I mean, and, and unfortunately the animation 
couldn't speed it up. Really, no. they couldn't yeah. speed it up any far faster. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame because they did. Mm. They could have done. I didn't find myself flagging by that point. I so. flagged a little. Um, I think I well, I think I flagged in the middle, but then I accidentally watched the same five minutes twice. So that wasn't what when you fell asleep. <laughs> no, there was a. I, I think I stopped and then went back to it. And for some reason, it had started on the beginning of a scene where he's cycling around Cambridge. Oh, that one again. Yeah, 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 yeah. That scene, <laughs> which is almost exactly the same. Yeah, as the City of one. Death. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, But so, the, I definitely think those first three or four episodes are really, really fun, really good. Yeah, they didn't have it in episodes, though, did they? Well, no, the one I watched. Well, but we that, know their episodes. The first, yeah, the first, the first sort of. Half to three yeah. quarters. And actually, I think that, that was a failure as well. They should have put it in episodic form. Oh, well, one of the things they cut was one of the cliffhangers, apparently. Uh, probably, yeah. It didn't feel like the... the Yeah, which one was it? Do you know? I don't know. I just know that somebody said on my one of my timelines that one right. of the but, cliffhangers... But even that, I didn't mind. I didn't mind that it wasn't... They didn't constantly go to the end titles and then the new titles. I mean, it's sort of... This isn't a story that exists, so mm. it kind of it kind of worked for me. Well, it would never have, yeah. And even if it had have existed, one of the various ways that they talked about finishing it was as a telly movie. Mm. Okay. But the thing is, because they cut stuff or trim stuff or however you want to put it, if they had gone to episode endings, you'd have had episodes of twenty five minutes and then mm. other episodes of maybe fifteen. So it would have been a bit silly. They wouldn't have all been the same length as one another. Yeah. No. So to do it this way is probably the most reasonable way they could. I thought it was very good. And all the pre-recorded stuff had been obviously tarted up a bit or effects had been thrown on and things like that. Yeah. Um, was the spaceship, the circular spaceship at the beginning, was that in existence or was that created for the, mm. uh, the DVD, the actual model? I'm not sure some of the stuff existed. Because but... they tried to film and put things in... in you know, using original cameras and stuff like that, didn't they? Or was that just for I the I think the, the Doctor crossing the bridge, that was that was recorded. <laughs> Not so when he's crawling across the bridge. Wasn't that a new footage? Because they sort of obscured his face. <laughs> and I seem to remember when he falls off it. Yeah. I seem to remember seeing a clip of an extra or a stand-in doing this in a chair. Yeah. <laughs> so they must yeah. have recorded those. That was really ridiculous. Yeah, but fun. But it worked for the. I yeah. mean, okay, so it was it was good, but maybe the they could have. What did you, did you feel about Tom Baker popping up at the end as he is I now? Didn't mind. It was it was but it what, sort of worked in this not quite like the curator, but it would have worked better if he didn't look at the camera though, and do that fourth wall breaking. You hate the fourth wall breaking, but just to but have him there yeah. is breaking the fourth wall. And really. it's perfect. And it's perfect. But they could have weaved. But the time he's doing, he's constantly breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. In that period. But actually, you could have just weaved it with a few bits of script lines saying, oh, you know, there's a bubble of time that's just affecting me. Just yeah, like had Peter, to, Peter Davison was But we've had this conversation perfectly. about Sharda before yeah. with the, the Paul McGann one that you didn't like because it didn't quite... No, I quite, did like that. But you thought there should be a scene at the beginning where it kind of... Explained it. Explained it. But there is a scene at the did beginning I, of the McGann one I don't that explains it. Is there? Okay. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I, think, I, I don't think I said that. Okay. I quite like that one. But you do like things being tied... Into um, well, the Paul McGann one didn't matter. It felt mm. like you know uh, the Richard E. Grant one to me. It was just like yes, it an did. experiment. It was quite fun. I don't yeah. mind experiments and stuff. Yeah, but if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna try and do like JR said, you're gonna throw all your money into Sharda, try and get it right. This is the ultimate version of it. We're not gonna yeah. get any other yeah. versions. You want to make sure it's absolutely. 100%. And they could have done more with. And Tom I just Bacon. think that small bit at the end yeah. could have just been almost perfect. It just threw yeah. something in. Or I'm in a bit of a time bubble. And that then... bit at the end is just a few seconds, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have. Yeah, done, they, they nice. could have done. It could have been a couple of minutes. Yeah, they could have yeah. bookended the whole thing. It would have been rather than just had them at the end. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I'm glad it's there. Yeah. All right. Uh, anybody seen any movies, new releases that are relevant lately? Black, Black, Black Panther. Yeah. Have you seen it, Lee? I have. And you've seen it, Matt? I have. Oh, my God. So we're going to have two reviews in a row where you two are going to talk <laughs> well, about something can, I've not seen. We can review it at the same time in a conversation style. Yes, but what I mean is I'm not going to have yeah. a great deal to oh, add okay. to the conversation. Did you like it? I did like it, yes. Well, okay, did the Rebel Flesh. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's talk was... about Black Panther for a bit. I didn't like it as much as Thor Ragnarok. I liked... Thor I... Ragnarok liked it. 
I've, 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 <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm really taken with the comedy in Marvel films now. And there were comic bits in it, but it was very serious. Yeah, but it was oh. perfectly timed comedy. It, it was, was really, really well done. There's, without spoiling it, because yes. it's still on, yeah. there are a couple of moments, especially when they meet another tribe. Yes. There is a moment, That's, which I just yes. thought, that was perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody just roared with laughter, and it wasn't forced. No. And it no. didn't feel silly, and it no. felt within context of the... But actually, I like, I like the fact that this exists, and Thor Ragnarok exists in the same universe. universe. Yeah. And you've also got the Captain... I, I like the fact that Marvel are really doing quite well They've, in producing distinctive I, films I in distinctive genres. I kind of know the story of Black Panther before right. we went to see it, and I was okay. thinking, how are they going to actually... You know, when you read it as a in, in a graphic novel format or whatever, it's not necessarily part of the universe that's yeah. on at the cinema with the yeah. rest of the films. It kind of is, but it isn't. Mm. So I was thinking, how are they going to have... Because it's quite a big thing... Black Panther's world is going to affect the next few films. Yes. So it's quite a big thing to throw in there. Um, yeah. And I was thinking, are they going to be able to do it in one film? And it was just it beautifully was balanced. Yeah. Beautifully filmed. Very like The Lion King. I mean, it had a very similar plot to The Lion King. <laughs> and the music. And a very similar feel. Yeah. But I'm not actually criticising it because of that. I mean, the whole thing about The Lion King is it's, very, it's a very African movie. Mm. <laughs> Although... Saying something's an African movie is kind of like saying something's a European movie, which isn't very. Yeah, that's one of the it's one kinda, of the issues is having a fictional African country, I think, yeah. and just but, using it as a kind of a a blanket for all the whole of Africa. Yeah, but it was quite a multicultural um, world, wasn't it? Within, yeah, because it's yeah. a hidden world within Africa. Yeah, yeah, and they're Africans, and the cast was with, the cast was actually multicultural because you had Africans yeah. from Nigeria and Britain yeah, yeah, and yeah. America that's right and South Africa so all living in Germany. perfect harmony in this place it's yeah. just it's yeah. brilliant yeah it was good I loved it yeah. so there you go so 9 out of 10 and it was a and it was a consistent feeling film so the cinematography the music and actually I quite like the fact that they didn't compromise with the the language that they used mm-hmm. so a lot of it was spoken in in this kind of dialect which I couldn't tell you what it was did it have subtitles yeah yes and also the um the 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 titles telling you where they were mm-hmm. were always in another language and then they kind of translate it sort oh, okay. of twist yeah. it around so it's Wak- very Wakanda isn't it Wakandian probably Wakandan or something Wakanda, yeah, yeah. But the, I mean, the villain in it's very good. Um, mm-hmm. But the, I think the denouement, the, the kind of the last fight, the battle at the end mm. was a, was a bit weak. So it loses a point on that. There, there is a moment in the last fight where I just thought, okay, that's one step, one step too too far. Yeah. As, but was yeah. it like the Davros moment with the Doctor? Sorry, we're talking in crypt- cryptic now, aren't we? But no. Not really for listeners of the Blue Box podcast. No. <laughs> but, you know, no, there's was... a Davros moment, isn't there, where he wants to see... Oh, OK, I didn't mind, sort of I didn't mind that. OK. I was talking about... Well, spoiler alert. I was talking about... Spoiler alert. The, uh, the armoured rhinos scene, <laughs> which I was torn between thinking, hey, that's really cool. They've got armoured rhinos. And thinking... Okay. They've got armoured okay. They've got armoured brothers. <laughs> I'm just... At times, the CGI didn't, uh, yeah, quite, it didn't quite cut it, didn't it? When you've got Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. which is, you know, extremely good CGI, you've got the raccoon... But that's, a, that but that's really only on the, on the animals. If you think about the rest of the film, most yeah. of it's in CGI. Most yeah. of it. Yeah. The whole city CGI, none of it's real. Yeah. No, they no, must yeah, have yes. thrown yeah, tons of... Brief, and that was yeah. really believable. Yes, yeah. It's just like, now and again, you get that rhinos. Which Almost are, sort of metropolis. Like, yeah. there was sort of something Beautiful. about the way... I think Afro, Afrofuturism is yeah. what, what it's called. Afrofuturism? Yeah. So it's okay. it's African de- designs, but projected into the future. That's right. the whole point. Is of that like an Wakanda. actual word, or did you just make that? No, up? no, Afrofuturism oh, is right. is okay. the kind of name of that kind of design, right. and that's what's so special about the film is it's mm. African designs, African mm. music, African culture projected into the future. It's sort of sci-fi. It's like 
steampunk. It's it's a, it's almost an opposite of the Blade Runner. It's a very clean and happy city, but you do yeah. get little elements of there's some great graffiti on the walls behind them when they're chatting, mm-hmm. and then in the far distance you get this metropolis thing going on. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and then it's in Africa, so yes. you've got this yeah. beautiful sunshine, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. a lighter film. DC should look at it, learn how to turn the DC, lights on. DC should look at all of Marvel's films at the moment because they're all. And you were saying you couldn't work out how it was going to tie into the universe. Mm. But that's the same with all of Marvel's films. You think, how is Doctor Strange going to fit yeah. in the Iron Man universe? Yeah. How is Thor going to fit in? And they do. And so they, well. do. They, just, they just make it work because they use humour, they use different genres, and they use quite or good dete- uh, detectives, good directors who, who know how to make a consistent world for the movie they're making and, believable and know how to feed it into others. Yeah, and believable characters as well. And believable characters. And the women... Yeah. In this film, because yeah. there was a big thing about oh, this is quite this. My wife went to see. I'm going to see it. It's girl power. Mm-hmm. And that, okay, and uh, so we went to see it, and it was like yeah, but you mm. don't think about it going oh yeah, well there's a lot of very powerful women in this because they are just drawn up so beautifully yeah. and acted yeah. so well. Yeah, unbelievable, just fantastic. Mm. You yeah. didn't need one man in that film. No, no, <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. So how's it doing? I, is it doing it had a really, box office? It had a really, mm. it had a really good opening weekend. But that's because its opening weekend started on a Tuesday <laughs> and stretched till the Sunday. Um, I think it's doing really good. I think it is doing really good box office from what I've heard. And the the crit- the reviews I've heard, albeit from film critics and podcasts and in the newspapers, are all raving about it. Yeah, I was saying before we started recording, there was quite a few people on my timeline were saying they were finding they were finding it a bit of a disappointment but well plot wise i suppose it's a simplistic thing but i think it's just a beautiful thing to look at and it's fun it's also the first black pants so they'll go they'll probably mm. do more mm. and the first films iron man with the ex- being the exception if you think of the first mm. thor film the first doctor strange film they're always kind of ori- origin stories so it stretches it out a bit and they're always quite they're setting up that that world, mm. and so it's normally and Captain America as well. It's normally the second films that really, really mm. do it. Iron Man's an exception because Iron Man, the original Iron Man film, that was the very first, is, a, is amazing. Film, yeah, it's a and the second one not so good. But Although I do like the, the the drunk dancing in the second one. That's probably yeah. one of the best scenes in the whole yeah. film. But but Thor <laughs> Thor in an Iron Man costume. Thor the sequels of um, this, this, yeah. Does it's Black Panther stay in Africa for the duration, or does he make? No, it's it's no. like it's kind of got a James Bondy thing about it. Very so James Bondy. So, yeah, because so there's a Q section, a female Q. There's a Q section in Wakanda, <laughs> and they go to Korea so and London yeah. and and America. So it engages with the universe that they've already. Well, that's kind of the point of the story. Is Wakanda is a very isolated country and very isolationist. And they're trying to sort of keep people out. They're talking yeah, about yeah, not letting yeah. refugees in. And the whole point of the story is them coming to realise that actually they've got this technology. And if they don't use it for good around the world, it'll be used for evil around the world. So that's that's kind yeah. of that's but that, the evolution of the story. Again, without giving too much away, it, the, the way that the main character decides that that's a good thing to do yeah. comes from something else that's affecting yeah. which isn't good yeah so yeah. you know um i don't want to spoil it but you know and then he has to make a decision and at yeah. the end you do see this kind of decision made and i think that's really good though, i mean the, very, the way he did it was and the main villain is very sympathetic very you know you yeah. can see where he's coming from yeah you can and kind uncomfortable uncomfortable because yeah. he's sort of coming from a, a kind of a branch of politics that lots of people are yeah. are into this kind of Aggressive, but it's aggressive and it's wrong and it's murder. it's wrong. Yeah, so they go. Yeah, that makes it better for us to go. That's mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. Ish. There you go. All right. Do you want to score it? Are we doing that? I'm going to give it a nine. I think that's a, one of the highest scoring for me from Marvel. I'm get. It's not my favorite Marvel film. Still, I'm going to give it an eight. I still think. I still think. I'm still more taken. I had more fun watching Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy two. At the right. cinema, and I think, you know, I liked the seriousness of it, and I liked the jokes, 
but I just I just like the the, the funny Marvel films. Thor Ragnarok is so good. Mm. I mean, the director of that is just he's brilliant. Who was the director again? Of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, Taika Waititi. Oh yes, he did. Um, oh, what did he do? Um, the the uh, bewilder no. The bewilder beast or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Bewilder, bewilder people. Boy, he did a great film, New okay. Zealand film called Boy. I seen I'm that. sure that's his. No, yeah, yeah. I want to see them now. Mm. Recommended. Oh God, do we have to talk about Rebel Flesh? Um, Should we just score the Rebel Flesh? <laughs> we could do. <laughs> I don't know. It's this is way behind the curve, but I saw Blade Runner 2049 a couple of weeks ago. Oh, and how did you feel about that? Yeah, I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. In what respect? I liked the first hour or so. I thought this is building up to something nice. Right. And then in the second half, all the strands just seemed to dissipate into nothing. Uh, just never really... It seemed to be so in... <clears throat> so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It seemed to be so subsumed to the original that even though it came up with a great premise to spring off and do something new, it never really seemed to get to grips with that premise for me. I felt, I felt that it, it... I sort of agree with you. <laughs> but I thought there was something about the... There's something about the way the plot line kind of dissolved and changed yeah. into other things. I thought that was sort of the point because you thought you were watching one film and then... Yeah, but I don't know. Gradually, kind of. But there were all sorts of bits. Like, there's a bit with the there's a group of rebels who suddenly turn up. Yeah. And then they're in one scene, and then that entire plot you never hear about it again. Yeah. And the and it looks beautiful mostly, but there's a big climactic scene with a car in the water, for want of a better way of putting it, Mm -hmm. that goes on for about fifteen minutes and looks terrible. And it kind of, just the look of that kind of dragged the film down. And the pacing is just so glacial. Mm. At least with Blade Runner was a slow film. (laughs) But at least when it got to an action bit, it had the good grace to speed up. This is an ambient sci-fi film, isn't it? Did you see it in the cinema? I did. And I really enjoyed watching it in the cinema because we had stupid Dolby sound just so loud everywhere. And it's, it's just flipping about your head so you know I was taken by I mean a lot of people I've spoken to about the music seem to be really down on it but actually I thought it was I thought it was perfect for the film it's not Blade Runner the music was well the music was okay because the music was mostly just Vangelis things sort of redone little little motifs and sound effects but what they didn't do with the music Vangelis he didn't just have the ambient stuff but he also had melodic stuff he as did, well yeah. and there was a nice mixture of the two this was just the ambient it stuff it was a lot there of ambient stuff nothing melodic about it no, and you missed I... that because by the time you're an hour into two and a half hour yeah. film you're thinking just give me one melody I was going to say that I, I completely love any ambient stuff you could set, set me a drone for three hours and I'll just listen to one note but well aren't you a party animal <laughs> I'm a party animal hey watch me go I can throw shapes to e, e minor for ages but um, uh, yeah but you're right but about an hour and a half you're kind of thinking I just I don't even like the sax on Blade Runner but I was just thinking you need a bit more sax where's the sax mm. film <laughs> I do think watching it maybe watching it in the cinema is the best I mean it doesn't make it a better film but, Makes it a but, better experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was. I think if I watched it first on DVD, I would probably go off for a cup of tea or a coffee halfway through, drift back in, watch some more, maybe go off for a drink as well. Whereas the cinema sort of forces you. I mean, apart from Lord of the Rings, when you can go to the loo during the elf bit, this, this one, I did find myself... I didn't feel trapped or I didn't feel overlong in the cinema. Because you sort of immerse the screen's so big and the sound's so so surrounding that you kind of immersed in this world. So the story, the meandering story and the glacial mm. the glacial pace. Do you know what just though? Sort of works. I didn't think they really painted a world. I thought they made a lot of effort in getting the look right. Mm. 
but they focus so absolutely on so few characters. Mm. The bit in the original, for instance, where is it Zora, the snake girl? Mm. And that whole sequence, which goes on for about maybe 15 or 20 minutes, you really got to see what the city was like. And you, although you didn't especially meet many of the other people, they, Ridley Scott, as a knack for making it all feel real and lived in and all the characters who just passed by the screen for a few seconds at a time felt like real people Mm. whereas in this they didn't do any of that so it felt like it was a story transposed onto that world this is Blade Runner going on a road trip yeah, so yeah, but for the first sort of, hour or whatever, yeah. they're in the city, and you didn't get to really yeah. see any of the city. And actually, there's even one the s- scene in the bar or something. That's right. And the in the original film, there's the claustrophobia of the city as well. Hmm. And obviously, in this film, they're opening it up, so you yes. get that slight deserty feel, and you know, yeah. it's a bit like the Cursed Earth from 2000 AD, that sort of feel. Hmm. So it's opened and it's wide, which is weird. Yeah, it's a weird juxtaposition. Well, I was looking forward to that. But they didn't give you the claustrophobia first, so when they opened it yeah. up, it didn't, it didn't feel like it was opening up. I agreed, yeah. That's that. It should have been more claustrophobic, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it just... Everything about it... Everything about it felt like they'd had a great idea and they'd not really thought about how to really put that idea on the screen beyond what it would look like. So it looked brilliant, but it felt awful, if you know what I mean. I did. Why do I think? Why do I think a segue to the... Rebel Flesh is coming up. No, because I'm going to just... I was going to do this a few minutes ago when you were talking about humour in Marvel movies, but I saw an episode of... What's it called? Star Wars Freemasons or something? What? What? There's an animation. (laughs) It's not called Star Wars Freemasons. It's called Star Wars Free something. It's one word. It's not Freemasons. It's like Free Peoples or something. Or Free Worlds or Freelander. Star Wars Freelander, maybe. Okay. Is okay. this official or not official? Yeah. Star Wars. Oh, okay. It's a, well, it's a licensed, it's Lego Star Wars characters. Oh, right. Essentially. Oh, okay. <laughs> but obviously it's part, it's not part of the Star Wars universe, but it's obviously part of the Star Wars licensing. Mm-hmm. So, but there was all this fuss made when The Last Jedi came out about the fact that it starts with a joke about a call waiting, right? Yes. So I'm watching this episode of Freemasons or whatever it's called and about five minutes into this cartoon which presumably was made before and I'm watching a repeat of it I couldn't swear to it I meant to look it up afterwards and forgot but presumably it's like a couple of years old this cartoon and just on a repeat on the Disney XD channel and about five minutes in there's a bit where there's three characters in the cockpit of a spaceship and um, one of them gets the you know, hologram thing in front because he's got a transmission coming through and this guy comes into the front of the spaceship and he's having a go at this fella and then one of the other characters shuts it off and says, you should screen your calls, you know. <laughs> Which just made me think, yeah, that's well, already in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just struck me as odd the, that the people bottom. were moaning about something that's already here in one of the cartoons. But is it's is a Lego one though, is it? Yeah, it's a Lego one, yeah. so it's not like official lot, Star Wars. If you played a Lego know. game um, years back, I uh, can't remember where it was released first, Nintendo probably, something like that. But anyway, um, the Lego game, the Lego Star Wars game, is epic, it's massive, and it can it goes on forever, But mm. it's and it's also really funny. There's a ton yeah. of humour all the way through mm. it, and I think that's possibly where all that kind of humour started. The Lego film as well has got mm. a lot of that same thing this that they bring the, to the games. Um, Minox in it. Uh, the the characters are Lego. Everything else is not quite Lego, but <laughs> but done so that it's sympathetic to sort of the Lego thing. But the Minox are just hilarious. <laughs> the Minox being the bat things from yeah. the bus driver's back, mm-hmm. if you can't remember. Right, should we give the Rebel Flesh a score then? <laughs> <laughs> We've talked for long enough, haven't we? <laughs> um, okay, let's do the Rebel Flesh and the Elmo's people. Matt. How long since you've seen it? What did you think of it the first time you saw it? I so I saw it on transmission. On transmission, I don't think I've seen it since. I I thought it was filler when I first saw it, mm-hmm. but I I didn't feel like I was wasting my time watching it. I felt like I don't need to watch this again. Okay. I'm quite happy to have have watched this. I didn't feel offended by it. Let's hold that thought for a yeah. moment or two. Then 
Lee. Well, I think Matt just took literally every single word out of my mouth as well. I felt the same when I saw mm. I was thinking, okay, this is okay. And, you know, some great ideas. Bit of a shame they didn't use the fleshy uh, Matt, uh, go, you know, because if he'd have survived, that would have been quite fun, wouldn't it? Don't say fleshy Matt when you're looking, <laughs> yeah. when you're looking at just me. looking at you. That, just sounds, that sounds like you're flirting. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got such watery eyes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you're right. And by the end of it, I was thinking, I don't need to watch this again. But, of course, inevitably, I've got a son who rewatches these things. I've seen it twice since. Okay. Um, and I've rewatched it for this. Wow. And I thought, blimey. hang on, we've got to go with the blue box. He offers positivity. So... I'll let you know how I feel about that in a minute. Right, and I don't think I've seen it since about the month of transmission because it's. I didn't think it's one of the ones I went back to. No, so actually I would have seen it when the DVD came out, I think, and that was probably the last time. And what I thought of it back then was it was okay. I didn't, Like I've said, I don't think there were any Doctor Who stories since the revival that I wouldn't watch for pleasure. And I thought this at the time was perfectly acceptable and now to segue into what we think of it now I think this probably is one that I probably never would watch for pleasure ever again quite <laughs> frankly what's what's so bad about it why, why did you uh, well I'll get into it but go on yeah. then quickly what do you think of it now Lee uh, it's marginally better than I originally saw it oh really yeah I've got some bits in it which I really like more but there are also some bits that really get on my nerves. <laughs> and that, I feel yeah. almost exactly the same as I felt on original transmission, that this is sort of, it doesn't offend me, but I, yeah. I watched it, but I probably wouldn't watch it again unless I was forced to <laughs> watch it. <laughs> like I just did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was an example of a writer who had certain beats he wanted to get to, but he just couldn't be bothered to put the characters into the right places to get to those beats. So throughout the entire thing, people were saying what was supposed to be going on, yeah. but the author was actually not giving us that. There were, uh, just as one example to illustrate what I mean, they keep, throughout the entire thing, talking about the fact that it's a war, and every time they say, this is a war, you've having that in the middle of a scene where they're sitting down in a room at the opposite end of the castle from the other people and they just continue sitting in the room. Mm. Right. It's not a war if it's just people sitting in a room l- listening to each yeah. other on the radio. Do you know, do you know what? That, that, it t- takes you back to that kind of sensorites kind of way of doing things, which mm. is everything is very slow. Like you say, I think um, before and after all that episode, all that, those two episodes... All the directors and all the writers were told, you know, if you're going to do something in Doctor Who, make sure the camera's moving, make sure someone's walking down. The, you know, David Tennant doesn't stand still. He mm. swings around while he's, while he's telling everybody everything. And people are moving and talking and things like that. It's much more interesting for the viewer to move the camera about. And you, they could be saying a war whilst walking down a corridor with lots of things in it. Yeah, but also I'm just using that to illustrate... Yeah, but I felt it was a bit kind of... Here's another couple of examples. It's not a lot moving. Yeah, but that's that (laughs) thing. But here's another couple of examples of what I'm talking about. The the woman who plays the leader of the base, can't remember the actress's name or the character's name. There's a bit where the ganger version says, right, we need to go and listen to her on the radio because I know exactly that's what she'll do because Mm. I'm her, Mm. so I know what she's going to do. And then a couple of minutes later, there's a bit where she says, right, I know exactly what she's going to do. She's going to go to such and such a room. And then about two minutes after that, there's another bit where she says, I know exactly what she's going to do because I'm her and I'd do it too. And I'm thinking, rather than telling the others what she's going to do and just sitting there in your room talking about it, if the author had thought about what that character was, he would have put that character one step ahead, mm. not seven steps behind the person they're telling everybody else they know exactly what she's going to do. And here's another example. There's a bit towards the end where the author wants to get to a beat where they find a pile of dead gangers. Oh, yeah. But the pile of dead gangers goes absolutely against everything that he tells us in the first episode about how the gangers work. So the pile of dead gangers has not been set up in the script at all. He just sticks it in because he thinks the story needs that scene at that point. And it doesn't make any sense. 
none of it makes any sense because every idea he has is just, oh, it should have that scene in it. Mm. And he throws that scene in it mm. with no relation to the, anything that comes before or anything that comes and after. Those are the annoying bits because, I mean, the gang, is, I agree, the thing with the gang is seen, I think, you know, it needs to be there in a way to illustrate something mm. to provoke an emotion and, and get the whole kind of debate going about whether, what's good and what's bad about this situation. But, you know, you know, recycling, you just put them back in the vat, don't you? It's all flesh. It's all kind of waxy stuff. It's, Why are they just sitting there? It's hot? such a weird story to make a two-parter yeah. out of. It yeah. could be what it needed to be was a one-parter and rewritten. An hour. But there's, but there's, That's all it needs. But there's so much promising stuff. So I re- there is a place yeah. for a story set in a really sort of dark, a cheap story set in a dark monastery with corridors. But as you said, the direction, mm. the direction wasn't quite there. I got very confused by, I mean, obviously it's, it's a story about doppelgangers. But I got very confused by, by, by doppelgangers because they were in the same rooms being filmed in the same way. There was no... I mean, maybe I was supposed to... Different maybe I was mat. supposed to be getting confused. <laughs> yeah, but, I think you were. But I think I just got... I wasn't engaged enough in the story to keep track of where the characters were. So, the director, yeah. if... I can't, I can't even remember who the director was. I don't think the director did a bad job. But in order to take a script as bad as this and make it palatable you need a director who's going to come and do a really good job on it to disguise the fact that it's not a very good story or not a very well put together story but the director's decent and that just highlights how bad the script is really matt smith does quite well in trying to get energy out of the story and trying to get distinctiveness out of the story but he always does Yeah. yeah and i liked the I liked the twist, the twist at the end. That they'd swap the shoes? Yeah. No, the uh, the Amy, Amy being a ganger. Oh, twist. right, yeah, yeah. I can't help thinking, actually, in this season in general, making that the episode that then led into the break and then coming back with The Good Man Goes to War. For the because kids. then you get Good Man Goes to War. Yeah, but The Good Man Goes to War ends with a dead baby, doesn't it? Well, a kidnapped baby. It ends with a kidnapped <laughs> baby, which yeah. is not the yeah. same. Actually, as I suppose flat, fleshy. Baby. I suppose it does. This one does end. Maybe change, soften yeah. the ending. I mean, yeah. I like the gang Amy twist. I thought Amy giving birth and her screaming face is possibly overdoing it. So yeah, it's been one step too far. That's not the image you want kids to be retaining for the next. But Madame Kavarian, that that face, I've always liked the way that she appears. Weirdly. Yeah, but I mean that's yeah. not. Discreet to this story. No, it's, no, yeah. but you know, and I'm trying, the trying last, to find things in the well, story. The last, the last five minutes yes. are much better, mm. but this, but I, th- but I think wrong. you've lost it by that point, and the last five minutes doesn't quite work it because also, you don't quite pick mm, it up. It also completely nullifies the whole point of the last two episodes because he's worked so hard, the Doctor, to try and get these two you know, new race and the human race together and talking. He brings them to this big conference or whatever it is. They're about to walk in together hand in hand and go, you know, we've had a big fight. The gang has killed some of us. We killed some of the gangers, but actually we're all big buddies now. And then he walks into the TARDIS and then just saps her, saps her. And she is as human apparently as all the rest of the gang. Well, what's the point? No, but there's a distinction programmed. No, there's a distinction but the script completely blurs the lines on the distinction. The three gangers, is it three or four? I think it's four, isn't it? Mm. In the story, who've been given life, have been given life because they had the electronic pulse. It's Frankenstein. During the storm, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, Frankenstein is whereas definitely the, Frankenstein. Whereas the Amy is just being controlled. She's just an avatar. She is so, being controlled, is she? By Amy in the box, who's asleep. Oh, yeah. Cool. So the Amy that gets zapped is just an avatar. But just after the four gangers have been given life, then the story goes <coughs> on to say they're a race and all gangers should have these rights. Exactly. But the rest of the avatar, the rest of the gangers are still just avatars. So again, the script is throwing these things mm. in where it says we need to have this story beat. 
but it's not selling them because they don't relate to what else is going on in, in a the way, story. Yeah, so what you needed to do is show somehow the human race and their ganger have the umbilical cord cut, whatever that connection is, yeah. properly. And almost Rather than of, just these almost four, physically, yeah. in a yeah, way, yeah. to really ram it home that they are separate, whereas we know that Amy is... But you're right. After selling the idea that all gangers mm. are now um, sentient mm. throughout the entire story, even though we're still actually talking about really only these four... When you cut Amy's umbilical cord at the end, it doesn't feel like he's killing an avatar. It feels like he's killing a real living version of Amy. It does. I mean, what you could have... Uh, we'll, we'll write us here and edit us, aren't we? But imagine if he just made him into like a carbon Han Solo type thing and froze the body. Then you wouldn't be so, oh, he's just destroyed her. You would have this kind of other Amy, which you then take back. Then you have to deal with something. Yeah, but that that could be another story. Yeah. It could be that Amy, that Amy, runs off and lives on a on a planet, and she's got to say goodbye, and that'd be quite emotional. Well, we the two of... Amys and all this sort of stuff. But well, we already have we already have the girl who waited coming up, yeah, which kind of does that actually, anyway. Yeah. And I think I think Rory's reaction, the Doctor's reaction, and, and Amy's reaction to being glooped, rubbish. That's. Good. No, no, that worked. That's quite powerful. Did you Did you see Rory's face when she fell to the floor? Nothing. Surely, if you surely if you're face. somebody who you love, surely the person you love, like Jay Ives in next year, if he just suddenly turned the gloop, you'd go. Yeah. yeah I know, but in the few like, seconds before the that, Rory, <laughs> yeah. uh, Arthur Darville sells that he's realised what's going on and he knows what's about to happen to I him. I know. It's just the moment that she goes. There's, there's no. But, there's no. There's no director going. Right, she's melted. You know, jump yeah, yeah, or yeah. blink or look terrified or sad or something. I've got to say, though, Rory throughout the rest of it is just appallingly treated. Uh, this woman Rory. he's married to Rory. run off with this girl who's got this neck that extends like something out of a thing. He's kind of got the turlo role <laughs> yeah. in this, yeah. where they don't quite know what to do. But they never sell the idea that he's really feeling something for this girl and really wants to be involved in. Mm. It's just all well, on the know. surface. I don't think it's a. It's not a feeling of I want to. Oh, I'm quite fancy. I think it really no, is. It's a gen- he's a way. nurse, isn't he? He's genuinely yeah, but, cares about. But they never sell that in the script. It's no. just Rory runs off. Rory turns his back on Amy and runs off with this girl. And we haven't been sold on the idea that these two. There's no, no chemistry between the two actors. No. And there needed to be something. Ironically, considering it was a two-part story and you have the time yeah, yeah. to actually build the chemistry. But it just doesn't it's a, happen. It's a single part. It's quite a weak single part story stretched over two parts. And it just didn't... It just, it's just a waste. I mean, it's a real... What I, what I quite could liked, have been so much better. But again, it's a waste because it wasn't built upon enough, I don't think. Was the you know was the father mm. <clears throat> where you know, Matt Smith shows the child turn oh. up. Uh, it's such a it's so heart wrenching and it's quite a cold thing for the doctor to do. Yes. Obviously to the kid, but the kid it doesn't really know. But it could have turned out really bad. Um you know, and that's quite a nice twist and it's showing the gang you know, here's your responsibility sort of thing and, and then the father dies and then you send the ganger off and that's a bit weird, but mm. at the same time it's kind of quite a clever little thread. Well, I like that. I thought he that throws he throws in a line just before that happens to say, and here's another pulse of electricity, so now you're properly human and you're not even gangers oh, yeah, anymore. Or something to do with the TARDIS, the TARDIS kind of yeah. fixing the molecules or something. Yeah. yeah. I miss that totally. Yeah, no, I've seen it four li- times and I've still missed yeah. that. Yeah, there's a line in there where he says okay. they're completely fixed. But that, again, that whole you bit with the father and the that. kid. When the, fa- when the Scottish guy talks about having a kid earlier in the story, you think, right, know where this is going exactly and it all happens but it's so robotic and clockwork Mm. that you never feel a thing at any point and the guy playing the Scottish one he's a good actor he's just totally wasted Mm. because he's not given he's not really given the opportunity to sell what's happening and it you know, if the, if the Scottish guy's dying and saying, you know, be a good father, I don't know if I want my a, a ganger to end up. I'd still be quite, you know, yeah. weirded out by it. It's like, oh, he's mm. going to go and have my wife, he's going to have my life, here's me dying on the floor. Mm. If you're going to really sell it, you need to be saying things like, you know, by the way, you know, my child likes this and his favourite things are kiwis and, you know, just have a quick chit-chat together. Pass on some... The other ganger knows all this yeah, stuff yeah, but because he, he thinks he's him, essentially. Exactly. But then why do you need the thing where he passes it on? Why does the ganger version need to be told to go and look after the kid? 
The gang of versions already said, like half an hour earlier in the story, that he wants to go and look after the kid. So why he needs to be told to do it at the end? Exactly. Just... So you just need the ganger to have a few things missing that haven't been quite completed in the process, and that that's his learning curve. Otherwise, like you say, you know, if they're exactly the same, the gang is not learning anything. So what's the point? Yeah, no, it just lots of nice ideas, but not a yeah. single one of them has had any thought put Probably into it. Probably make quite a good comic strip in Doctor Who magazine. Anyway, I've talked about this for longer than I really wanted to. Unless anybody's got anything else they would desperately want to bring up. Let's knock this on the head. All right, let's score it. Lee? I'm going to give it a six, generous six. Nine out of ten. No, oh. not really. <laughs> um, I, think, I think a six as well. And yeah, I think that's quite generous. Mm, I'm going to be slightly less generous then and give it a five. Okay. I think I was really disappointed with it. What did you time. think, Simon? I'm going to give it a ten. No, he's going to no, give it a eight. big fat eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, okay. Solid eight. All right, that's enough for this week then. We managed to avoid talking about it until we absolutely had to. <laughs> and then we said more about it than we really needed to. There must be somebody out there that really the loves these two episodes. Oh, there probably is, to be fair. I hope they didn't listen if they to want, this. If they want to write an email, what's our email address? Blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. Oh, okay. Write us a review and rate us five out of five on, <laughs> what's it called? I... iTunes? No, it's not called that. Anymore. Apple Podcasts. Oh, okay. Yes, they don't, they don't call themselves iTunes anymore. Oh, they call themselves yeah. Apple Podcasts now. Pop over to the Facebook page and give us a like as well. Why not? Come come to Exeter, visit our homes. <laughs> Drink our tea. Put extra on our letterbox. <laughs> Don't put extra on our letterbox, but not unless they're golden eggs. We be on our front doors. <laughs> well, that'd be your front door, Matt, because that's okay, where we are. Okay, Matt's taken this to a whole place that it really didn't need to go. <laughs> Until next week, I was JR. I was Lee. I was Matt. And we'll speak again more favourably. Soon. Soon. <laughs>